0: up flyers fans welcome back to another episode of the tie my skates podcast it's dg at drunk gritty double zero on twitter z at tie my skates under, underscore z on twitter johnny at flyers johnny and Cootsie at your boy coots before we start this episode if you could please uh rate and review on apple and spotify it'll only take a few seconds and it would mean the world to us and if you do Cootsie will give you an OTPHJ as a reward. Giggity. (laughs) Now, after that little spiel, let's get this episode started. We're going to start with some of the most recent rumors that we've been hearing about Drew and the Florida Panthers. I'm going to defer to Z to start, but the big name on uh, the market there is Owen Tippett, who happens to look exactly like Wade Allison. Both have... Uh, RNG hair which fits perfect in Flyers land and uh, he's somewhat of a goal scorer at least that's what his prospect profile says
1: yeah so uh, he's the the newest name on the block now for the you know Flyers scouts um, Florida prospect I think he's played a few NHL games um, but he's mostly been playing down with their AHL affiliate the Charlotte Checkers um, just to start off the top and read his scouting report that's been going around twitter today he's a big scorer in junior hockey working on translating those skills to nhl he has a hard heavy and accurate shot and the mentality of a sniper he will shoot from almost anywhere and but needs to improve his passing to keep his opponents honest he also needs to work on his defensive zone and uh, play away from the puck to maximize his overall value long-range potential is a talented goal scoring winger uh, just that like last part there about how he needs to work on his defensive zone play and, and play away from the puck makes me think that if he does get traded to the Flyers, they are going to like bury him in the system and never play him because that's what they're doing with all their prospects is, you know, trying to work on their defensive game and minimize their fucking offensive talent. And you could take the best shooter from the AHL or from juniors. And trust me, the Flyers will do everything in their power To minimize his offensive skill
2: yeah I could give less of a shit about his passing and defensive talent if he can put the puck in the net case closed that's all I gotta say that's all I gotta say it's what we've needed since Gagne since Carter I've said this multiple times since Breer just someone to put the puck in the net Cam Atkinson's finally doing that obviously he's on the latter half of his career but you know, that would be great to pick up Owen Tippett in any hall for Claude Giroux.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know. I am, like, knowledgeable of who Owen Tippett is as a guy. And, you know, if the Flyers are there and they're scouting him, they must think somewhat highly of him. But, like, to your point, see, like, he does have that, you know, resemblance of the type of player that our organization seems to bury and force to become good at the thing he's not good at before he's allowed to do what he is good at. So, I mean, we don't really have a choice in the matter of what happens or like where Drew gets traded and what we get back. But like, to me, like, he, Owen Tippett fits that mold of the type of player that we're, we're looking for. So I wouldn't be like overly upset if we got him and I'm sure we would get much more than just him in the trade.
2: Yeah, no, this is overdramatic by me, but what do you think we would have done with line a or Matthews? <laughs> how we would have pigeonholed them to, to, to an oblivion. Like that, it seems like it's just, it's what we do. That is our thing in terms of development. We just love turning everyone into two-way. We don't let them specialize in what they specialize in. And it's it's frustrating because, you know, we, we were talking on the show before a little bit in regards to to Morgan Frost. Uh, and, I'll, and we're going to get that to, in a little bit later. So I'll, I'll mention it briefly, but his in regards to his deployment and everything like that. So it's just frustrating it's just frustrating to touch on what you just said dg so
1: yeah i mean you said that we don't let players specialize in what they specialize in unless they specialize in defense then we let them play only defense like Coots did for the first whatever six seven years of his career that was totally fine to have him as a third line center and just play defense and not score that much obviously playing with shitty wingers but you know, then you, you, he plays up higher in the lineup with more offensively skilled guys, and you see him, you know, putting up the goals. Um, but, but you can't have it the other way. You can't have a guy offensively talented and let the defense come because God forbid he turns the puck over a few times. Like no one else on the team's doing that this year, huh?
3: Yeah, I'm hoping that maybe next year we get a, a sort of player's coach, you know, someone like Martin St. Louis letting Cole Caulfield blossom the way he is in, in Montreal. Um, This is the kind of player where, you know, he was a 10th overall pick really highly touted. And I don't know if he's gotten much of a chance in Florida. And I'm hoping that, that if he comes over here, we can have a coach that'll let him flourish a little more. I mean, he's going to have a lot more room to grow with, with, you know, I mean, he'll probably right away be on third, second line, assuming that, you know, they'll give him a chance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree, Coots. And one thing we got to talk about in regards to potentially getting Owen Tippett is what else will we get alongside Owen Tippett? And you got to think we're probably going to get a 2022 first. I feel like Florida probably would try. I don't not. have any. They don't have it. Do yeah. they have the 2023?
1: I think they have a 2023,
0: yes. Oh, well, that's like honestly perfect scenario. Let's snag that 2023 first. And then of course, just like when we were talking about Colorado and like you, Z, like you said, like they're, they're just the flavor of the week gets who the flavor of the week is now it's the Florida Panthers. So like, do any of you guys have any idea, like what kind of player Florida has that would, you know, make that salary work going back and forth between teams? Cause uh, you know, I know firsthand from looking at cap friendly all the time that they have like 5.3 million of cap space not available next year because of the buyout of Keith Yandel.
1: Yeah. Um, Thinking about it, actually, uh, well, one, I just want to correct something earlier. I said Tippett has played a few NHL games. He's played 94 NHL games and has 14 goals and 19 assists for 33 points. So he's almost played 100 games in the league. (laughs) Kind of botched that earlier. But um, to your point, DJ, I don't see – G, I mean, like G's gonna help any team he gets traded to. I don't see him as as what the Florida Panthers need. I think they need more D. And thinking of that, like they could be scouting this guy for a potential wrist alignment trade, for a potential Braun trade. Maybe you have to, you know, throw some more in there with Braun if you're gonna get a player back. But th- this doesn't necessarily mean G's going that way because I don't think Florida really has the the one. The like you said, the the cap the player captain mooks. I don't think they're going to move any of their roster players really. Um, You know, they, they're pretty firm on not moving Anton Lindell. Who's been, a, who's, you know, in the running for the Calder. There's no um, way we'd get him. Yeah. Um, And they, re- it, they got some good mojo going on that team. So I'm not really sure that they mess with their, their roster construction that much. Um, I see them more looking for, you know, a defenseman and, you know, that could be, literally anyone on the Flyers defensive roster right now.
2: Yeah, no, I was going to say, I was, you know, looking for a guy maybe like Mason Marchment that they could throw in as a player, but he doesn't make that much. Right. And he only makes probably around 800 K. I think he's been good. He's
1: playing on their top line with Barkov.
2: Yeah. Anyone can look great again uh, with, uh, with Sasha Barkov, but you know, I I don't know. It's tough because everyone that makes money on their team has actually, you know, hold your breath been contributing to that team. What a crazy concept that is like the money's actually worth the production for one team in the NHL. That's crazy. And coming from imagine? Philadelphia. We no, it's crazy, but yeah, no, I agree. You're definitely going to have to do something to make that salary work. I was thinking in the back of my head, get creative with something with bob but that's just a mess that i would not ever 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 want to touch
0: absolutely a million yards
2: away but like think about if we give them relief in terms of that how much extra compensation we could possibly garner from it but then again all those first round picks and and stuff that they can because i don't think they have any compensation from other teams um yeah then those first round picks wouldn't like in the late 20s probably wouldn't be worth uh, that mess
0: Yeah, I got to be honest, as we continue to keep talking about this, it seems less and less likely that Florida is the team that Drew is going to get traded to. But like, it's just the most recent team that's been rumored and it's the most recent prospects that we've heard that are being scouted right now. So like, that's just, you know, what there is to talk about. I'm sure by the time we get to our next episode, there'll be, you know, maybe another team or two, but like by the time that episode comes out, I think Drew's gone. I think this might be the last episode that we get to talk about Drew and it's so, well, it won't be, but it's, it's depressing. And I'm depressed even thinking
1: about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just pulled up cap friendly on their roster. There's no, like most of their top guys are making five, three to six, like Sam, Sam Reinhardt's the, their highest paid player at 6.5. They're not trading him. Barkov and Huberdo are both making 5.9. They're not trading either of those. Um, Hornquist makes 5.3. The Flyers aren't going to take him uh sam bennett we're trying to get rid of bad contracts yeah sam bennett 4.4 4. they're not going to trade him and Duclair, 3 million they're not going to trade him so uh, i don't really see i would take you That that i would to too like i wanted him one. when he was a free That's agent a coming one. out of ottawa
2: you don't that think they'd uh,
3: trade sam bennett i think they could trade sam bennett
1: i think he's been playing really well for them
2: it's another name the flyers were interested in last year too
1: they, they have, like, the to top me. three picks from that draft year, whichever year that Bennett was. <laughs> Bennett was the three.
2: Was that the Provorov that? draft?
1: I think so. Was that 2015?
2: 2016, I think, if I
1: recall.
0: We're not historians on this podcast, that's for sure.
2: No, that's okay. We bring we bring humor, energy. We have coots. No other podcast has a coots.
0: Exactly. <laughs> We're, we got the only cootsie in the business. Scooby? The only cootsie that's on social media. The real
3: Sean Couturier doesn't have socials. You know, it's funny. I have people DM me like, I love your game so much. And I literally have it in my bio. <laughs> I am not Sean Couturier. I am not affiliated with the Flyers. <laughs> I had somebody like, can you give my uh, my son an autograph? Like, here's our address. I'm like, buddy. You should do
0: it, dude. You should be like, yeah, just send me $20 on Venmo. And I'll get that sent to you. <laughs> oh, that would
2: be <laughs> such $20. a dick move.
0: It would be, but it'd be kind of funny. I get a
3: cease and desist. Uh, uh, letter <laughs> from the Flyers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've already gotten some IP issues with the Flyers because of my fucking logo. So.
3: all oh, word? Oh, wow.
1: Just to yeah. correct myself again, it was the 2014 draft, and it's Eckblad, Reinhardt, Settle went three, and then Bennett went four. So they got the one, two, and four from that draft.
2: We are off to a firing start. I know. With at least I'm correcting myself. Podcast. No one's screaming at us. <laughs> no, that's for after the podcast. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Let's talk about a different set of rumors, ones that, you know, we talked about last podcast that might not necessarily be true and rumors that came up about during the past two weeks that we have yet to be able to talk about, that being Jeff Petrie and Rasmus Ristolainen rumors Uh, recently, not so recently anymore, but, you know, it was thought that the Flyers might pursue Petrie, who has three years left $6.25 Six point two five million per year. He's currently thirty four years old. So if the Flyers did trade for him, he would be here until he's thirty seven. Not the greatest thing in the world to hear, but the one thing I really want to mention is the fact that it was thought that we offered Ristola in six point three million for six years. That doesn't seem to be the case because on uh, the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, the Flyers actually offered somewhere in the four to five million dollar range. And then the Risto camp countered with that 6.3. So that's like one of the the greatest things I've heard like all week, to be honest with you, because that means like the number, if we do sign him is somewhat in the middle. And even though I don't really know nor care what happens with Risto, if it's in in between that range, like I'm like, okay, that's okay. I guess like it it could have been so much fucking worse, especially with the contracts that fire has been handing out, you know, over the past decade.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that just, just kind of piggybacking off of that, DG, it's, it's, it's very assuring that Chuck Fletcher would stay in that four to five million dollar range because obviously those initial reports of six point two five. If you, you imagine like if he's starting with that, where it would end up finishing? So, like you said, like that four to five million, I don't think he should make any more than Travis Sanheim. Um, if I'm being honest, if you're looking at things comparatively on the on the makeup of the roster already, but in terms of Jeff Petrie, I, I'm personally not a fan of of what this move could be it's just three years left um you know age 34 to age 37 at that cap hit it's it's a tough number to swallow um if he is he a righty shot do we know petrie
1: yeah yeah
2: all right so that would make sense if, if we want to put him on the top line we already have ryan ellis though so it's it's a tough tough draw especially if you're giving up risto to get a guy like petrie but at the same time we're already in a very difficult cap situation in terms of the jvr contract which is soon to expire and then obviously the kevin hayes the new extension with coots i just don't want to take on another 6.25 number for a player that's over the hill at 34 right now
1: yeah and he's he's been liking playing uh under marty saint louis there he's like the, the changing coaching and what that what's the what that's allowed him to do on the ice so um I think he's probably pretty content over there I didn't really see a huge fit on this team um want to be totally mad if we got him either way though uh but with like the the Risto rumors originally like wasn't surprised at all to hear that first big number because the one thing Chuck Fletcher has done in his career is fucking overpay people like he loves just like dishing out money for dudes um which it can be good or bad depending on the guy you get Um, but, uh, with Risto, I think you got to trade him. I think there are teams that will give up a first and a prospect for him. They're desperate, desperate teams when it comes down to the wire. I think he'll be a, probably a deadline day deal, but I think for sure, a Boston, maybe like I said, a Florida will give up a pick a first or maybe a second and a player or, or just a first, which I think will be worth it.
0: Can I throw out a hypothetical for everybody and tell me if you guys think this is a fair trade? You said Boston. So my first thought here is let's get a first from Boston and then potentially Jacob DeBrusque. Would any of you guys be opposed to something like that?
1: I thought you were going to no. say that. I would totally be cool with that. I'd be cool with it I'd too. i love that actually. I don't know too. if it's
0: asking too much from them.
1: Is I, the think that's, I think that's an overpay for Risto. But they don't want debrusque
0: like they kind of he's fallen out of favor with them.
1: He's he's been up and down the lineup, but he ha- also requested the trade. So it hasn't come from them. It's come from his camp. He's not been happy with uh, you know, how they've been treating him. But the past few games, I think, with some with uh you know, Marshan had his his suspension and you know uh brusque was moved up to the first and like first second line and he got a hat trick the one game and like the offense started to come back. So He's another guy who's similar to what we talked about before, similar to a TK. He's got to play with offensive guys um, and highly skilled guys, but he is more of a a shoot first guy, but he's also a guy that can disappear, you know, for stretches of the season. But I wouldn't be too mad at that. I don't think Boston has really anyone else to offer prospect wise.
3: Yeah, he really is that guy. Real quick, is is there any way we could have Petrie and Risso on the same roster? Is there any chance that could happen? I think it eats up way too much money that we physically can't afford right now.
0: I, I, like yeah. theoretically, like it would be cool if the money could work, but like You'd we need like to a, spread the money yeah,
1: out. A third of your cap would be like three defensemen, right?
0: Yeah. like our whole defensive core would be like maybe close, close to 50. Well yes, they're each team.
1: making like 6, right? If they're each making like 6 something, that could be tough. And then maybe. what do you you put are you playing Risto on the third line at that 5-6 million?
0: Hmm. That's where
2: Risto's if, future if is
0: Ellis going. Is,
1: if Ellis is healthy, Forgot about that guy. Wait, uh,
2: wait. wait. Back. What's the, what was that slight DG at the end there? That's where Risto's going on the third pair. Is that is? Are you trying to say that's where his trajectory is going? I'm saying his career. That I am a suit.
0: I like Risto, and I'm like I don't care what happens to him. Like I said earlier, but yeah, I feel like by the end of his career, like maybe within the next five years, he'll probably end up being like a really good third line pairing guy that people like want on their team because he's tough and like plays the game hard. But like you know, like we all notice it. Like he is like somewhat out of position making boneheaded decisions like a decent amount of time. Like I'm not saying I hate him. Like I think he's a good a pretty good player where he's at right now 20 28 years old, I believe. But
2: so is Ivan Provorov gonna be a third pair defenseman because he's been out of position all year?
1: No. Boom. I was gonna say 24. You could say that about any big physical defenseman who doesn't you know you know get injured and have to retire because of that. Like look at Char like yeah he's the third pair physical guy. You know what I mean? Um I think Risto still was Risto still 26 risto still has a lot to give
0: i think yeah, i don't like I, I, i'm not saying that's where he's at now i'm saying like five to six years depends where he goes That's if where he's, he'll on, probably if he's
1: on a deep team if he's on like a avalanche or some shit yeah for sure he's gonna be the third pair d man you know maybe even this like you know the seven when everyone's healthy you never know that's, <laughs> i don't know that was i don't i don't, I don't, I don't know why not, i said I that that was not
0: landish that was, that was that horrible
1: Listen, That's why I'm this not... is a
0: podcast with unfiltered takes. We they got say a lot of D man, dude. No matter what it means.
1: <laughs> Makar, Byram. They got those young guys. Who knows how they'll play? They got Gerard, uh, Eric Johnson.
3: McDermid. You, Eric Johnson's sick.
2: He's still in the when league. When healthy.
1: Yeah. First overall pick, baby. <laughs> was that in 2003 i'm just trying to
2: piss johnny off at this point <laughs> i'm not even a risto homer at this point i've acknowledged i that love he...
1: risto i was just bringing up the possibilities
2: but like come in on. in
1: five God. years
2: <laughs> he's gonna be 31 not fucking 50
0: <laughs> risto, I know. That was, that was isn't risto the... 28 years old so if we sign oh he's 26 yeah, he's, he's been
2: in the league since 18 dude
0: all right. I, okay. 27. I'm gonna take back He's what I said earlier. Everybody that's listening, erase that from your minds. I didn't mean it.
1: And erase everything I said guys? too about. I mean, I'm on I, record that read, me and you like Krista. You know what? I can edit. I edit this so I can just make Johnny say what I said somehow. <laughs> just mess with the levels a little bit, and then we'll be good. Johnny, why would you say that? All right, next topic, guys.
3: Hey, real quick, boys, I the whole Petrie thing, though, I, I was intrigued by it. I know a lot of people are like, but why, you know, but I don't know. I can see this being our like 06, 07 flyers. And then going into the next year, we get our chemo team in kind of player with Petrie. I mean, 34 as a defenseman, a, a solid stay at home defenseman isn't like over over the hill. I know it's a little past your prime, maybe, but I think he could do a lot of damage for us. You know, I think that could be like, and then you, you mix in our young guys with Sandheim, Provorov, maybe Zamula, Zim- uh, York. And, and I could, it could be an intriguing lineup with, with Petrie, uh, Ellis, and, and all those guys, you know, a good mix of bl- blended vets and, uh, and young guys.
2: No, it's funny. You bring up the chemo team. Cause that is immediately where my mind went when I heard Jeff Petrie. Also um, it's, it's just, I don't like that was also I think that was pre salary cap era at that point sure. too. So it's so it's kind of tough to still imagine how making that money. It's just six point two five million for another three years. We don't know where this team's going to be in three years. We don't even know where this team's going to be next year. We don't even know You're where right. this team's going to be in two weeks from now. But the to money. your point, it, w- it was a very good comparison. Kuz. I
1: was, I was just gonna say like Ellis was supposed to be our chemo team. That... Yeah, yeah, I was thinking four that games.
3: Too. Whatever.
1: I'm not the numbers guy, so
3: I'm just throwing out like everything I can right
1: now. But I I definitely agree with Johnny. It's just that 6.25 for the as a 37-year-old, that's gonna hurt. That's gonna be like what JVR is now, basically. Maybe
3: Montreal could eat it a little bit. I don't know.
1: I'm not sure. I don't I'm not sure if they would because they're just trying to do full rebuild.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I, I think what the rumors were was that um Montreal would like eat a little bit of that salary. At least that's like what I read, but like, honestly, it doesn't really matter. Cause I'm pretty sure Petrie has a list of teams that he'd be willing to go to. And I'm pretty sure the flyers are not on that list. So like oh. the, the trade is a moot point and it, and it is a rumor that has somewhat died down over the past couple of weeks. So like, I, I can't see it happening, but it was definitely interesting when it, when it got brought up.
2: Yeah. Also, uh, you know, with Montreal's situation right now, dude, I don't, like, I, I guess if there's a report out now that said they would eat that cap, but they already got to deal with that Shea Weber retirement salary cap issue. They got to deal with a potential carry price injury issue with that huge cap hit. I don't think they want to eat any more salary in terms of that, even if it is only for three more years.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really seem like a smart move, even if it would be a good, you know, bridge for the Flyers to be able to, you know, figure out all the other problems they have and just have like, you know, a steady guy back there. But, it doesn't really seem like it's in the cards, but let's move on to the next topic we have. It's kind of a, a sore subject in Flyers land nowadays, uh, that being Morgan Frost. And like the whole the whole thing with Morgan Frost is he's really like being, you know, yow yowed all over the place by, by Mike Yao. <laughs> so Yo. like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I'm going to say Yao. <laughs>
1: I thought I you just had a clown. stroke when you were <laughs> What is he Yao Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it,
0: it was just a mid. It was a nice pun. talk. It was a mid talk. I was I like thinking it. about fucking around with his name a bit, but yeah, I mean, he's been mishandled, and you know, it's not something you want to see.
3: So, I mean, listen, I, I'm not the guy to like be miss uh be uh, Morgan Frost's like hero and like be like, no, he's our guy. He's our guy. He's he's the next Giroux or whatever. I'm not gonna be that guy, but there are a lot of people. Like, there was a whole week on Twitter. I'd wake up. And there was someone like, oh, why is everyone defending Frost? Oh, he stinks. He's an AHL player. Like, there's a lot of people just, like, really harping on this kid. And what is he, 23 years old? I mean, I, if, if we just give this guy a chance on the second, third line center, I mean, what do we have to lose? Like, I don't think we've seen enough of him, really. I, I don't think that uh, Yao Yao has given him enough, like, you know, leeway. I, I mean, uh, our young guys have to play at this point.
1: Yeah, I think they're just, I mean, and it makes no they're so contradictive. Like, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. They're like, they want, they, they say he has a good game, then they bench him. They, they say, oh, he's been playing well, he's been improving, he's been good in the defensive zone, then they send him down, and they say they want him to work on his offensive game and get his offensive confidence back. Like, he's, he doesn't have any offensive confidence because you're pressuring him to get back to, to play quick shifts to like not you know to be worrying about turning the puck over and i see him playing passive like that where he's worried about turning it over and you know he still does but like you can see it constraining his offensive talent whereas you you look back at some of his um highlights from when he first came into the league uh, a couple of years ago and was playing with jeru and Konechny on the wing which i think is where he should be playing now i know we had center depth issues but um, I really think he could benefit from playing on the wing, losing some of that defensive responsibility, and letting his offensive game grow a little more. Because, um, like you saw him setting setting up guys like Drew and Konechny, getting set up by them off face face off off the draw plays with a you know a quick snapshot. Um, and you also saw him causing turnovers in the neutral zone and in uh, you know on on uh, opponent breakouts. Whereas maybe he wasn't great when you get set up in his own zone when on, on defense, but he was like stopping other teams mul- multiple times from breaking out of their own zone and, and causing offensive you know uh, plays the other way. So I really think they're they're caging him in and really fucking with him mentally in terms of what they want from him, because um, you can't play the dude third fourth line minutes with borderline ahl talent and say we need you to play more offensively go down to the ahl and then like he goes down and he goes off and and scores a bunch of goals and gets a bunch of assists
2: yeah no i think you hit the nail on the head there z when in terms of just like you know it's it's micromanaging at its finest and the thing is with morgan frost it seems like there's a differentiation between what the coaching staff of the nhl wants to see and what the fans want to see and there's a huge disconnect there because they perhaps they actually do see some kind of growth in his defensive game and faceless, but you wouldn't ever tell that because what we see is him getting sent down constantly. Um, what's it called? Like you said, Z and in terms of just um, what's it called? Uh, you know, kind of pigeonholding him. Like I, you see, like I see the point on the power play where you expect a little bit more of him in his minutes to do something with the space he's given. But at the same time, like it's, it's for me, it's largely been a deployment issue in terms of where, where he is, like you said, on the third and fourth line. And it's tough. It's tough. It's just a differentiation between what the coaches want to see and what the fans want to see and what the fans want to see are goals and points, but what the coaches want to see is growth in his defensive game. And I think that's where the unfair slight kind of hits Morgan Frost a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we talked about that with Owen Tippett a little bit earlier and at the start of the podcast with like, like, if like we're making Morgan Frost focus on the things he's not good at, and then if we trade it for Tippett, we'd make him do the same exact things. Like my biggest thing with Morgan Frost and Z, you did mention it for a hot second there, is we're going to be trading Giroux. Whether we like it or not, we're going to be trading Giroux. Why hasn't Frost been like playing on the left wing or centering, like playing the center position and letting G take face-offs or something for the past couple of months while we still have G? Because, you know, G is that, type of player that we want Morgan Frost to become. So why wouldn't you allow, you know, the most tenured player in Philadelphia and the Flyers rub off some of his magic and what he's learned throughout his career onto Morgan Frost. And it's just like, it's a whole thing with the Flyers management. It's like a whole screw up and like, we're not know-it-alls and we don't like know what we're saying all the time, but like, it's so simple and like anybody with a brain knows that what we've been doing with Morgan Frost is wrong and just doing something as simple as giving him good line mates like drew. It's the easiest thing you can do for a guy to help his confidence and help him grow into the best version of himself that he can become.
1: And, you know, what's going to help his confidence putting him in position to make offensive plays in the NHL, not in the AHL, you know, let him, let him grow up here. Like, We have nothing to lose at this point. We're not in playoff spot. We're not in playoff contention. We're nowhere near it. What is the point of playing these, you know, like I said, like borderline AHL players over him? It makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, we're playing Max Woman. like gross mismanagement of the team.
2: I mean, Max Willman has been playing pretty well. I will, I will say that. I think that's a poor example. But, but he's not
0: the type of – like, he's not a player that is going to be here long term. So it's just absolutely useless for him to be playing. Like, I don't care what happens with Max Willman. I think we saw pictures of them in uh, high school jerseys the other day. My team wasn't there, of course. I was a little upset about that. But, like, I saw a picture of – I think it was, like, him – And maybe it was sealer. I was like, who the fuck are these guys? I don't even know who they are. Like, they're irrelevant players that like, like, I'm like, I'm sorry, they're not a part of the future. What's the point of developing them if we're not going to use them? I don't get it.
2: And I get it. You know, it's, that's a fair statement. I would much rather see Frost over him or Mayhew, but I don't know. They're playing well. Anyways. But yeah,
1: and but Wilman and Mayhew are fine on third and fourth line. We need Frost playing first and second line. Get fucking JVR, fucking bench JVR, fucking put him on the third and fourth line. Like we, we need Frost trained higher, higher up the line. No one's going to take that deal. If it anything, playing happened, it would have happened already.
2: If anything, playing JVR is hurting his value because he is just not. I didn't notice in him until the third period of the last like five games. And then I and I'm like, oh shit, I thought he was hurt last well, like two months. Like According just,
0: to analytics, he's one of the top five most unluckiest players this year. And so who's number
1: two on that list? I saw that. My boy. Okay. And I saw a tweet that was like, when, when, do, when does it just like, when, does, <laughs> when do we just like look at the on, on ice product and not these like imaginary stats of what they could be? Like, oh, they should have more goals, but they don't because they're not playing well. Like, that's what that stat tells me. It's nothing. It is a nothing step.
0: Uh, I don't want to get into TK stuff, but he is shooting at a very low percentage. So,
1: like, that's not. No, something I want that TK to shoot more. I want him to shoot way more. He had a, a chance, I think, in the Minnesota game where he was right in front of the net and he tried to pass it. And I'm, I
0: get, I get that he's he's thinking pass all the time, and he's not confident in his shot. And I think with good coaching and you know getting different guys' brains into the organization, that that will come, just like. I love using the St. Louis example just because, you know, Cole Caulfield has been dicked around honestly just as bad as Morgan Frost. And now that St. Louis is the coach, you can see the old Cole Caulfield that was that people were raving about last year. So you need the type of coaches that will allow those players to do their thing and the type of coaches that will help guys like Connecty, who does have a a nice shot, like he does. Like you got to get a guy that has faith in the guy and that can help him, you know, f- figure it out.
1: And we're not, well, I will, I will get into coaching, you know, like whatever over the summer, but we need like a more new school guy, a Brenda Moore, a St. Louis, one of those, you know, late 90s, early 2000s player that, you know, has been an assistant coach or something like that. I'm not saying bring in a Dave Hackstall straight from college guy, but I don't have confidence that they're going to hire a guy like that. They're probably going to go for a guy with experience.
0: I have a very nervous feeling in my stomach that it could be a guy like Dave Quinn, who was the coach of the Rangers, which I, I really don't want that to happen, but like it kind of seems like it's the fit for the way this team wants to go the next couple of years.
2: EG that is the same exact guy that I thought of. That is crazy. I literally thought not Dave Quinn. And you just said that, that is, I
3: thought you were
0: going towards. No, he's the exact opposite of what this team <laughs> towards
3: Oh, I agree. I agree. He's
0: the but reason. There are some
3: Tony from Philadelphia is like, get torts in there. <laughs> what, get him what, a
1: ripping new asshole. What torts would do is he would do exactly that. He would pin everyone on the team against him so that they would come together to and and play a super structured defensive game, and they would make the playoffs every year and lose in the first round, and it would just continue the mediocrity that is the Philadelphia Flyers of the late, you know, twenty tens literally exactly
0: yeah. the things we've been talking about like making players play defensively first and then doing the other stuff that's exactly the type of coach torts is so that's the exact opposite of like the ideal coach i would want for these guys
1: and, and quinn is like a worse av He d- he hate he doesn't like playing the young guys as much he Dude, av like honestly put frost A-Vitch in and good decisions
0: guys. and positions i mean
3: I'm going to say something about Frost again, too. And I can't stress enough that there are some players that they get to the highest level and they're able to adapt their game and be third, fourth line guys and, and, and play the body a lot and even maybe drop the gloves here and there. Um, Frost will never be that guy. You know, being the hockey player, when, when you're not getting the touches, like in your right areas and getting that play time, you're, you, you don't have that confidence. Like confidence is so key in hockey especially when you're a skill guy and you're getting your touches, like the more you play, the more like a guy like Morgan Frost gets playtime, the more he'll, he'll uh, succeed, in my opinion. I mean, and if he doesn't, then maybe we're not the team for him. You know, maybe the NHL isn't his, uh, his way. I don't know. I mean,
0: if we continue to treat him the way that we have been treating him, it's better to move him for the value exactly. he has now. Exactly. So if that's the route that has to happen, I guess I'm okay with it. I believe in Morgan Frost. I'm one of the truthers that believes that he does have talent and he, and he really does just like, just watching his game. Like you notice it, like maybe not all the time. Maybe sometimes he doesn't move his feet. Maybe sometimes he looks lazy or not good defensively, but when you see those little spurts of the skill set that that guy has, you're like amazed by it. It's it's the stuff that when Giroux was first starting out, when he was like kicking the puck between his legs to his stick or like doing these crazy-ass moves, we were like, holy shit, like this guy's something. Like that's what yeah. I believe Frost moves. can be. And I'm not going to compare Frost to Giroux. Like mm. I am right now, <laughs> but <laughs> he's never going to be Giroux. Nobody's ever going to be Giroux, but he has the potential to be a good player that can contribute to this team so i really hope that does happen but let's move on to uh another segment we got today we're going to revisit a analytic nightmare of a trade apparently for at andy and rono on on twitter the cam atkinson trade for Vorchek. now let me run through the numbers before we get this one started so both players believe it or not both sitting at 42 points on the year. Atkinson with 20 goals and 22 assists, exactly what the Flyers wanted. And then Voracek with just three goals, but he has 39 assists for the 42 points. So looking back on that trade, like we all thought from the get-go, it's a good trade for both teams. The Flyers got exactly what we wanted and the Columbus Blue Jackets still got a pretty decent player that just has a little bit less term on his deal, which is, which is what they were looking for.
2: Yeah, no, it's hard to find like a, 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 this fair of a one for one deal in in recent memories. I'm sure there might be another comparable, but in terms of what the flyers need and what Columbus needed someone, you know, to pair with line a on the power play to dish out assists. It's exactly what they needed in Voracek and the flyers got a score and what they needed in Atkinson. You know, he's, he's leading the team in goals or is close with Giroux in that. I think he just took over the lead last game, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good, It was a, in hindsight, a good one for one trade. You rarely hear that ever. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy that Atkinson's in Philly and I'm glad for doing well in Columbus.
1: We'll give you a good one for one. Luke Shen for James Van Reems. can you shut just- up? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was such a horrible, horrible trade back in the day. Uh, what
1: Taylor a- Hall for Adam Larson. That's, that's oh, that, that was, was a bad, bad. one. Yeah, that was really that's bad. bad <laughs> Chris Pronger for um, Ben and Shanahan. That was a good one for both teams. Oh, that yeah. It
3: was a good one. I think that um, I like this trade. I, I think what we do miss a little bit from Vorchek is his play driving ability. Like him get – the way he carried the puck and controlled the play and got into the zone a lot. I think he does a little better job than, than Atkinson. I think Atkinson's more of a guy that needs to get set up a little bit, which he does create his own goals too. Don't get me wrong, but overall, I am happy with the trade. I, I do think we needed his goal scoring ability more than we need it for checks playmaking ability.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. You bring up Coots. Uh, and we'll get to it in the next segment, but I think for check our power play going down a little bit, I feel like for check, really helped drive the power play he was the perfect player opposite drew that would help you know with controlling the puck and distributing it to the right players like i think we really do miss him
1: on that side of the ice you're stealing my notes dj um yeah i mean i was just gonna say that atkinson a lot of his play has been five on five i mean like the power play has been poor. we we'll go over those stats in my segment but um He's been more of a five-on-five guy. Doesn't really have that power play one-timer that you would think you would get from a, a scorer, a scoring winger. Um, but then again, neither does really anyone else on this team besides G. And G can't set himself up, unfortunately.
0: Ferriby's got a pretty, yeah. Nice but shot. but
1: they they got him playing in the Voracek spot where he should be playing the Shen Hartnell spot. Yeah, but the but that's that's a power play issue. Which uh, we'll just we'll just roll into it right now. The Stack Guys Z segment. Um, so. On the power play, baby, we got. Uh, first of all, let's talk controlled entries and set up off entries. Uh, obviously, most of the times on the on a you know a power play, you're going to get the offensive zone face off. Um, Flyers have been actually, they're one of the best face off teams. They've been very poor at winning the offensive zone face off on the power play, and when the puck does leave the zone, they've been the you guessed it worst team in the league on controlled entries at 40% when when 5 on 4 when with the man advantage 40% controlled entries and then 34% of the time they actually get set up off of those entries on the on the power play so you can't win the face off to stay in the zone and get set up but you also can't get the puck in the zone and get and get set up after that so like What is going on? And you look at the numbers and that shows these are the power play percentage stats as of uh, March 2nd. So a little bit behind there, but uh, so far this year with AV and Terry, and they were a nine for 58 for 13% with uh Yo and Williams, they were nine for 57, very similar for 15%. And then, you know, recently with uh Yo and Torchetti, they've been two for 24, 8%. So that those numbers are really going down. We've seen the poor play. And like you said, it's it hasn't the power play hasn't been good good since they had Simmer and Voracek. They have no they have no strategy right now. It's all up top in the umbrella, waiting for something to happen. No one really wants the puck. They're getting nothing inside, nothing in the slot, nothing really happening in front of the net, causing issues like Simmer would do. And and you know before it was either you get the shot at the point from Ghost with Simmer in front of the net, or you get the the G to Jake cross ice get the defense moving back and forth and then maybe like to simmer in front for the for the tap in where you had like even before that shen in that slot position for the one-timer they had multiple options on the power play right now they have zero options and the numbers really show that and then also they're just making it so easy for the pkers they can literally stand still in the box and let the flyers pass it all up top all day and kill the whole penalty like that Especially when, if they do get it out of the zone, the Flyers can't get back in and get set up.
0: Going off right now, Z. So there's some fucking incredible stats.
2: No, we, we definitely have one of the worst power play penetrations in like that, that you've like, probably in the last decade of hockey. Cause like you said, Z, like a team can play a large box, put pressure on the outside of the, like uh, on, more so on the point men or on the outside of the umbrella because they don't fear that anyone's going to penetrate inside the box into the slot area. And that we don't have that threat inside. Like, like, like you said before, like we used to have Shen, we used to have Simmons, or Simmons wasn't front, but Hartnell in the slot. I see that that option is just not happening a lot this year and more so in the past couple of years also. And that's just a big problem. That's why it's so predictable. Cause one, we don't, I know we, we, we I know I think DG, I think I know where you're going to this. I I really want to see a guy like Sanheim run the power play. That is something I've wanted to see because I think that's, that's a, you know, with the way he moves the puck, with the way he's mobile, like at the, it can be at the, at the point of the umbrella. I think that is, is something that's definitely needed because you see how much Provorov is struggling. But yeah, I mean, and, and something like that can, can make all the difference in the world in the power play. But right now, there's no threat of penetration.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's definitely where I was going to head, Johnny. I I think we are missing a guy who just happens to be our best offensive defenseman right now on the power play. But I also wanted to mention like Z was saying that we don't have these guys like simmer, like Shen, like Vorchek or ghost who helped mold this power play into what it was. But like, theoretically we do have those guys. If you put Sanheim on the point there, he can be that guy. They can help get the shot and they can help make offense happen. And then you have a guy who's in the doghouse in Morgan Frost, who would be perfect on the boards where Vorchek played. And like you mentioned, Genzi, Fairby right in the middle where Shen and Hartsey used to play. And then it's a toss-up. Put Atkinson probably or TK down low on G's side. So he has another guy to you know play the puck to. The guys are there. We just have never tried out this scenario of players. And, you know, it's showing how bad we are.
1: Yeah. And uh, Charlie O'Connor tweeted today. He asked, yo, why Sanheim hasn't gotten a long look on the power play. And he has such a bullshit response. Yo, yo responded, I can tell you it's been in discussion. Like, come on, guys. How, how you've you got you've either seen Proverov or Yandel up there who have been objectively terrible. Yandel has led to so many shorthanded goals against and Provorov can't fucking handle a puck or make a passing decision. And then y- you're even now seeing Risto up there either at the point or net front. And, uh, you know, he's Ray Ferrara brought it up on the Chicago broadcast on the, uh, the ABC broadcast against Chicago. Um, that like Risto's not used to playing in front of the net. You know what I mean? He, he, he might, he doesn't have the quickest hands to play there and he had a point blank opportunity and shot it wide. So, yeah, Ferraro didn't really like putting the defenseman in that position. He's like, you know, the second. I mean, like he's the biggest guy we got. So it makes sense and to try to get him to screen the goalie. But also um, to finish up the quote, Yo also said that in the past when they did give Sanheim a shot on the power play, they felt that the rest of his game dipped, but they don't feel like that be an issue now. When have they, the only times I remember them putting Sandheim on the power play was one on the second unit who would get maybe 45 seconds of play. And he was out there with Provorov and Provorov would try, would either hog the puck or it would go down low to like the offenseman. When when you got two D-men out there and you're not even playing the umbrella, you're playing two D-men back because the power play is about to end and you want two D-men out there playing their defensive position. So I have not seen him in my memory, have an opportunity to run the power play, run the umbrella, run the point there, which like you said, he is our most offensively gifted um, defenseman, especially when he takes the puck low and around the net, he causes so much confusion and, and he can, you know, wrap it around and get to the front of the net with his long strides and, and, you know, long arm and stick and everything. So it just makes no sense to me that it's taken like this long, for this to be a realization that they're now discussing, Sanheim running the power play.
2: I was gonna say, how much? Like, what is he referring to? All two games that he played the power play and they took him off immediately, they gave him the hook. I mean, you can honestly make the argument that the two people, two defensemen that should be running the points on the power play, are not the ones that are running the power play. And with Sanheim being power play one running the point and Ristolainen, if you're trying to showcase them for the trade deadline, you want to put them in as many. Uh, what's it called, as many situations as possible to kind of showcase his ability, right? And I think getting power play, getting points, it will make him a little bit more of a lucrative asset in terms of, or by the time the trade deadline rolls around, which is now a week or two. So it's just, it's like like that quote, like you said, uh Z is, is kind of bullshit in my opinion, just because like, You want to have a guy like Sanheim, the same thing that we're talking about with Frost. You want to let him be free. He's best when he plays free, when you let him join the rush, when you let him get a little bit more offensive, take that risk, take those chances. Is Risto his best pairing mate for that? Probably not.
0: Yeah. I mean, so Sanheim being on the second unit for what? A couple of games. What's, What's really the point of that? You know, like why? Why does that make any sense? The second unit to me is an irrelevant unit that you want your first unit to be the high-powered unit, and the second unit, if they do good out there, like, cool, awesome. But, like, I'm not expecting them to.
3: Yeah, I've never heard of, of someone's play dipping. Like, the more power play I would get, like, the better I played. More ice time, more touches. Like, I've never heard that excuse before. Like, your play, his play dipped every time we put him on the power play. And like Z said, I don't even remember him on the power play, maybe for like the last 20 seconds when play was winding down or whatever. I don't, I have no idea what he's talking about. You can just tell that yo is just going through the motions, getting that paycheck. And then he's out
1: of here. Yeah. He knows he's not coming back next season. And he, you know, I've said it before. He should have been fired with the rest of the coaching staff. (laughs) They should have fucking started fresh right away. Um, but yeah, it's been it's to your point, Coots. Like, power play time is never gonna ruin a player's confidence or, or make his his play dip yeah. in any way. And and yeah, did they try him one game and he had a bad game that <laughs> game and then they're like us, oh, his performance dipped. We can't put him on the power play ever again. It is it is so ridiculous. And it is is the yeah. other part of it they don't want to offend Provorov? because he's supposed to be the number one guy, even though he's really not a number one guy. Like, he is so bad at handling the puck. And when when he gets the puck, which one thing you want is, the one thing I liked about Yandel at the beginning on the power play is he moved the puck quick and he knew where to pass it or shoot it right away. Provorov takes it and he slows everything down. He lets everyone get back into position on the PK. And it's like the opposite of what you want out of the guy running the point. And a lot of the times he'll sh- he'll take the clapper and he'll go right into the fucking defenseman right in front of him, the defender right in front of him, and he'll be going the other way.
2: Yeah, and how many times have we seen him fumble fuck the puck at the blue line? Yeah. And-, and then we have to do a re-entry. And I- I don't even get me started on our like entries into the offensive zone for the power play because those are also incredibly dreadful.
1: Well, we it's- went over those stats in the last segment. Were you paying yeah. attention, buddy? I'm with well, you, that. That's More what I'm PP saying. I was making your point.
0: Well, this I mean, is the segment, so we're still back. in it. So, like, what's 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 bring the that hell, back? What so, is
1: your problem? Uh, this is a wild one, guys. I don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah. So I mean TP
3: penetration.
0: We get into the zone successfully one out of every three times, which is fucking ridiculously bad. And then the fact that Z, you mentioned that we're not even good at taking face-offs on the power play and winning them, that's like in this whole shit show of a season, face-offs is literally the one of the only good things that this team is able to do. And when it matters most on a power play to control possession, we can't, we can't do it. That's like crazy. I, I just don't understand it. Well, let's move on to post game. We got a few topics for post game for you guys today. We're going to start with, you know, what everybody wants to hear about Coots losing his phone on the mountain in you. Colorado. So Coots, why don't you, oh. you know, take the ropes and tell us about that.
3: Well, I had a brief hiatus for about a week. I, I was struggling. I was like, how? I don't know. There's like no way to post videos on Android. I have no idea how to do it. It's like, Wait, give us amazing. some
1: background. Start, start from the top.
3: But anyway, starting from the top. Yeah. <laughs> like I have an iPhone seven, you know, it's already cracked. So I'm at Killington, Vermont. You know what I mean? I guess I didn't zip up all the way properly. Um and, you know, we're going down the mountains and, and I'm doing good. I'm feeling confident. And then Are you drunk. No, no, I was I was with the fam and, and, you know, a bunch of like of our my teenager, like my nephew and his friends. And so I'm, I'm following a bunch of like 13 through 15 year olds. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to send it. So <laughs> my, my goggles start fogging up to a point where they're like iced. It's like I can't even see. And then they go through this little back trail filled with moguls. And if you guys aren't skiers, like moguls are like these like giant bumps where you go left, right, like choo, 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 choo. anyway. So we go into the backwoods and I hit Fantastic the
2: first one. Audio. I'm like, yeah, I'm, what do you say? <laughs> that'll definitely help.
1: audio. Yeah, that'll help for the audio listener. Uh, ASMR. Oh, <laughs> yeah, people's
2: ears for that one. It's great. Holy everyone,
3: shit. everyone can um um pleasure themselves to it, right. <laughs> all right too far Too far. oh shit anyway so first mogul i hit i'm good i'm i'm like i'm getting a little wobbly so i mess up and then second mogul i hit i end up clipping a tree and i tumble and i am tumbling the whole freaking way and then i get up again and then i start tumbling again and i keep tumbling i thought i was gonna die in these woods boys (laughs) all the teenagers they left me nobody was there for me So I'm literally I take my skis off and I literally walk you walked to to the freaking like slope to the regular slope through the trees. Um, I'm trudging through like a foot of snow. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'm thinking that's where I lost my phone because I tumbled a few times. Are you sure? (laughs) That was the first day, though. Second day, I was killing it going off jumps. I did a lot better.
1: (laughs) Well, what was it like when you were going off the jumps? Oh, it was. I felt like I
3: was flying, but I really only got like probably four. Yeah, inches. what does that high. sound like when
0: you jump off a ski
1: slope? It's like <laughs> that's pretty good. That good.
0: That that's good? good. That's pretty good, guys. It might be the sound guy, Cutes. Maybe
1: I'm losing it over here. This episode is bonkos, guys. <laughs> yeah, bonkers. I gotta say though,
0: from experience, moguls have got to be the biggest nightmare of an obstacle when it comes to skiing. Like, I'm pretty. Well, it good was at skiing. Icy too. Yeah, exactly. So like. Yeah. I've played ice hockey. So like skiing somewhat comes naturally, but like when you're yeah. going through moguls and it's a little, icy, <laughs> and I couldn't like, see. Yeah. You can't control yourself. And well, you said you were in the woods, right?
3: I was in like, the, yeah, the back. So trail. like,
0: that's, that's like really dangerous spot to be with, especially with moguls. So like, I'm glad you're okay. It, it makes for yeah. a great story. Oh, I'm good. I figured it out.
3: I had to chip away at the ice. That was like molded to my goggles and then I, I could see, and then, yeah. And then I and I was killing it. But right there, I wasn't. I looked pretty bad.
1: And you were in Vermont? I thought you were in Colorado, but that was like- Vermont, California. yeah. I Colorado. was in Colorado uh, a gotcha. month prior. Gotcha.
0: Going all over the place skiing, huh?
1: Damn.
3: Yeah, I think I got the bug. I think I'm going to do like the $1,000 pass and then do a bunch of the mountains like all around.
2: Yeah, with summer coming up, that's a perfect time for it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You know what I mean? You get the deals. You get the deals in the summer.
1: My favorite part of that story was all the teenagers left me.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know. The these kids were sending it. are hanging out with like, teenagers, kids. Well, it was my nephew and his friends, and I was okay. like, I was, a fu- I'm like the fun uncle, fun uncle, you know. <laughs> oh, the fun uncle. <laughs> How fun yep. are you, oh, dude? The best. <laughs> if only you knew. <laughs>
2: You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of that scene in the Christmas story where the guy's dressed in like 20 layers and he's on his back and he can't get up, and all the guys and all the friends are leaving him. I'd like to imagine that's me. what you were like. Like was me, but on
3: his back. Instead of turtling, I was tumbling.
1: You could have got buried out there, dude. It, it find you I appreciate a, the like support. I'd allowed you to people 50 years later.
3: I had I had you three reach out to me, and then maybe like three other people. It's great. I mean, so
0: a total of six. Because <laughs> I, that's I, I only have, 50 <laughs> fans.
1: I think you put it on your uh, Instagram story or something, right? Did you like sign yeah. it on someone else's phone? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That was my. That's one the only phone way I on My Android. Oh, nice, nice. That's why you were confused. <laughs> I think Coots is like the only one to be surrounded by like teens and to do something hilarious and to just not get it on a viral video. I think like, that could have been a very yeah. funny video. if It's like one of those teenagers. Like, like for the rare moment that they didn't have their phone out and they didn't even capture it.
1: Well, they like, abandoned him, man. It's a waste. It was,
3: uh, it was blizzardy too. So they were probably like, fuck this.
0: Yeah, like Johnny, like you tweeted about it and we all were like commenting on it about, you know, we were worried about Coots. How funny would it have been if he was like wearing a GoPro or one of his buddies is <laughs> wearing a GoPro or had a camera out? And we, you just got to, you know, tag that video at the bottom with it as well. It would have made for some great content. And everybody listening, I'm sure, we're, would love. We're gonna
3: do content to
0: watch we, you just eat ass. We can eventually. Yeah.
2: I don't know if I'd want to watch that GoPro because that's just like, cause you don't want to like, watch. I do No, because I don't know if I want to know if, like, if Coots. I don't want to hear his thoughts when he's alone in the woods, <laughs> like just walking.
0: No, he's just going to be making whooshing sounds as he's going through the trees. You know.
1: So I just took a tumble there. Uh, all the teenagers left me.
3: Yeah, no, right, he's don't like worry. Stuck. I'll post a video. Uh, uh, Mike Richards, a shift coming up.
2: No, he's stuck on his back. He's like that viral video that kid skiing, and he's like, "I'm a stuccosaurus," so he can't get up.
0: All right. Enough with coots eating ass on on the on the mountains on the saying slopes. That. What we
1: got? PP so, penetration
3: and eating, eating ass.
0: ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, just I can't even talk. talk. It's a good saying. (laughs) Everybody eats ass every once in a while, but let's move on. Stop saying it. (laughs) got one last topic in post game, and we'll see where it goes from there. But recently, a Flyers legend, a fan favorite in Wayne Simmons, played his 1,000th game in the NHL, and it seems like all of the you know marquee players that the Flyers have had in the past decade are slowly but surely. Hitting that thousand game mark, we first had Vojtech, now we got Simmons, and G is coming up very soon. So, you know, we all just want to congratulate Simmer on his thousand games. It's you know, no matter no matter how you get there, it's it's quite the achievement. Not many people get to play a thousand games in the NHL, and Simmer has definitely carved quite the career for
1: himself. Was anyone else surprised um, that he didn't get a silver stick ceremony? He just did, like, escape by the bench, like, during one of, the, like, the, you know, a timeout or whatever, a whistle. Um, surprising to me just because it would be one thing if he was, like, newly acquired. He's been there a couple of years now, and he's a Toronto native. And Like, the Maple Leafs were his team growing up, So and he's, like, you know, heart and soul guy on the team. So, I was I was sort of shocked by that, but I don't know if that's the player's decision or not.
2: I was about to say, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, because Simmer is such like a like a very humble guy, that he was just like, I don't want this. But at the same time, like, it's kind of crazy. Like, that's a guy for a thousand games in his NHL career never took a shift off. Like, I can honestly say by watching just what he did, like with his Flyers, like uh, his like Flyers career alone, that he just never took a shift off. There hasn't been like a hardworking player that I've seen like Wayne Simmons in a Flyers jersey. And since we've got rid of him, honestly, and it's, it's disappointing that he didn't get the ceremony, but again, if it was his choice, um, then it was his choice.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. It, it, you know, it probably did. It probably was his choice not to do it. Cause I I can't see a world where like a team is that out of touch that they wouldn't, you know, give a guy like Simmons, you know, uh, some kind of like ceremony to receive a stick. I'm sure he did receive a stick though. Like I'm sure. And I'm sure all the teammates and I'm sure G and like guys like Voracek and, and, and whatnot probably sent him a gift as, as those guys do. But,
3: you know, yeah, I you guess know the, we won't
0: know unless he's asked.
3: You know, the boys in Toronto put a lot of money on the board. They're like they're probably getting some beers after who knows what they're doing. Jay Biebs is singing baby for them. You know, they're doing something. But um, I was going to say, you know what I'm most shocked about? I, I he played Morgan. I, I'm surprised he got the thousand before Giroux. Right.
0: Yeah, you would think Simmons is the type of player, the way he plays, that he might get injured a little bit more. Therefore, I thought Drew
3: was a little older too, but I, and, and, and Drew doesn't. Drew miss never games. was. He's never been injured really. Drew like maybe for twenty games total.
0: No, he missed like four games a while back because of concussion. I remember. Then obviously mm. for COVID a couple times, but that was really like less than five games total. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean so they it is interesting. Drew's a year older, but like Drew's at 995. So it's you know five game difference, like you
3: said. Yeah. True. I thought Simmons was more of like an AHL journeyman a little bit too in the beginning of his career. I'm just yeah, I was I just was surprised to see that he got there first. But what a career, man! What a true flyer, you know. Give it all on the line, scored some big goals. Um, not the prettiest style play, but man, he got it done, got the job done. Yeah, how many times he scored 30 goals?
2: It doesn't have to be pretty. He just gets so that, guys hey, oh, I, I never, up? I never said he had to be pretty.
0: I mean, he's like, what do I you love think the of the Flyers for the past decade?
3: Like two, two 30 goal seasons.
2: That's enough, baby. He got it done. He, I love how a he lot skates. Of, a lot on of the 28s
3: ice. and 29s. He skates like he's uh, Fred Flintstone. <laughs> he like sprints on the ice.
2: Huge stride, like a gazelle, dude. It's crazy how big is <laughs> Like, you could, like, whenever he went in on uh, on shootouts. You could just see him galloping and he would get like yeah. to the net from the blue line in like two strides.
0: You can look however you want to look out there on the ice. If you fucking get the job done, I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> I'm that's sure like shift here, off. three of us here have played ice hockey. I'm sure we all had players or, or friends and teammates that somewhat skated very similarly. Like I, I can, I can picture a couple right now that I know my buddies, my boys, that that's the style that they, they played.
2: And that's how they <laughs> three- skated. Three, fuck you, Z. I
3: had a perfect uh, skating stride. Hey, out of all of us,
0: Z's probably the most smart hockey mind in the room. And he didn't even dude, fucking Z... play the sports. Quite impressive. I've told, yeah, I've told this
3: story before, but like I was so C-level surprised prospect. Z, when I first met Z, like 11th grade high school, and like really talked to him. I'm like, dude, you know way too much about hockey and you never even played. <laughs> I remember, Coots, when you first hopped on the podcast for the first time as a guest, you, you told that
0: story. It just is how much he knows the game.
3: And then you reached out to me and DM me. I'm like, dude, you don't want me. You want this guy. It's like, you want Z. To be honest with you, Coots, if it was you and me that started this podcast, oh, it'd, be it'd be awful.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine the way For, that shit would have started. Not because I'm so you, happy you did that and referred yeah, like, me to Z. I t- I'm
3: honest, man. I, I know my strengths
0: <laughs> and weaknesses. And if that shit didn't happen, we wouldn't be where we are now here at HW. So yeah, it's like, it's honestly a blessing in disguise we, that all that happened
3: should we tell the fans how much we've grown too? like, you know, we've almost, and-
0: we've almost tripled since we added these two boys. So See? I feel like we got to give a lot of the effort to them. Yeah. Just for, you know, joining and doubling the group that always helps. And obviously being a part of such a great network, like high and wide radio, that definitely plays a huge factor. They're definitely helping with our exposure and, and I think we'll continue to grow. I mean, I, I would love to get more fan interactions as this podcast grows. So we will, We'll We'll work on it. We're you know.
2: Shout out Z for editing too every episode.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. tearing up over here. All right. That that was a that was a wild one, guys. Any, any last words?
0: It's gonna get wilder. I can't believe he said giggity at the start of the episode.
1: I can't believe a lot of things that happened. We'll we'll go over it in the group chat after. I
3: can't believe you said I was eating ass.
2: Like four
1: times, like it's, times. it's valid. The amount of it's times valid, he's though. gonna
2: have to edit that out is crazy.
0: No, he doesn't have to edit any of it out. That's the that's the best part about podcasting. Is the boys, dumb shit is the best.
2: Boys, the ne- between now and the next episode, I think we have trade deadline and Drew's thousandth game.
0: Yeah, I think we're gonna have to do a live Twitter thing because I don't New think spaces. we're gonna be. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna be able to get the next podcast out before you know the heart and soul of this team is gone.
1: Yeah, let's do a. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll figure it out, but but we'll do like a pre-trade deadline. Um. Uh... Twitter spaces. So look out for that guys. And then we'll, uh, we'll have another episode out uh, post trade deadline, but uh, that wraps up this episode of time. I skates, please like comment and follow on Twitter and Instagram at time. I skates pod and listen to anywhere you get your podcast again, please rate and review on Apple and Spotify. It'll mean a lot to us. I'm Z for DG for Johnny for coots. We'll see you guys next time.